Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by Matt Two Rumpets. Happy New Year, Matt. God, happy New Year to you. Or is it Merry New Year? I always get those confused when I'm talking to people from overseas. We'll take a poll on that, Matt, but I will say we are the absolute worst at taking a break. We, we built up this big, for the first time ever, Missed Apex Podcast is going off the air. We're shutting down shop. Actually, in reality, we missed exactly one Sunday's worth of shows. Yeah, and actually, uh, we would have recorded a tech time last week had I not come down with a minor case of plague. So there you go. Plague slash uh, man flu. But speaking of tech time, that does illustrate the amount of different shows we want to get on. And in fact, for us, the off season isn't long enough because we have new shows like this where we actually go, oh man, we've had a chance to catch up on on some things that have been going on. We had the races that went deep into the year. Then we had our two-part race review. Then Joe came into the shed. Then it was Christmas. And actually, now we're catching up with news. We want to do our new usual previews, our prediction shows. Uh, we've got Peter Wright coming on to talk about driver contracts, because apparently there's been some driver contract news. Well, you lot were all sleeping and eating your Christmas pudding. And I'm sure Joe and Matthew Carter are going to come in into the shed at some point in the preseason as well. Brian Sims is going to come back and talk about not only some olden day stuff with Benetton in the 90s, but also what Formula One is doing now to reach out to universities and education centres. And then before you know it, it's testing that. I think, when does mess testing start? February 1 or something? Yep, absolutely. If I had a spare couple of thousand bucks, I'd be headed there myself just to see what was going on. I might be tempted to have a wander around Barcelona as well. Uh, but we are still an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. 
Now, you don't want to just listen to me and Matt prattling on, do you? Why don't we bring on Chris Stevens? How's it going, Chris? It's going great, Spanners. It's uh, 2020 and I'm starting the year with 2020 vision. Oh, man. And may I say, you look spanking gorgeous in the before time, in the long, long ago, when you had to wear those big goggly frames on your face. You were not a sexual, viable human adult, whereas now your life can begin. I feel so great. I got a haircut today as well. Everything's just, it's a perfect start to the year. Everything's absolutely peachy. Uh, still with glasses on though. Sarah, unfortunately, a, a worse start for you. Yeah, I'm I'm clearly not a sexually viable adult <laughs> at the moment, but you know, that's okay. Uh, it's only uphill from here, which I think is the plan. So I think it's going to be a good year. I've had two weeks off work. Brain might need a little kickstarting, but it's all good. Fantastic. Thank you, Sarah Nicholl. Right, Matt, I think uh, it's time to look at the big, dirty news. Big, dirty news. Uh, Okay, uh, Matt, I think you and just about every F1 writer in the entire world made some kind of headlight like Gone in 60 seconds. Uh, the, The big news is, Carlos, how are we pronouncing it? Gone? Gone. Yeah. Carlos Gone. Tell me what was happening. Why was it news? Where's he gone? And why does it matter? All right. It matters primarily because it matters primarily because once upon a time he was the person responsible for making the decision to bring Renault back to the Formula One full time. That's why, in essence, we care about it. But what had happened was Renault owned most of Nissan through stockholding, and Nissan was getting unhappy about the way he was doing things because Renault was a less successful company than Nissan, and Nissan were feeling their oats, and he wound up being arrested for some sort of financial shenanigans that we won't get into too deeply because I can see your eyes already starting to roll back in your No, head. I'm fascinated. How dare you? But suffice it to say, he was arrested by the Japanese and has been for the past about year and a half under house arrest. And every time they're about to let him go, they would charge him with a new, slightly different variation of the same crime. And uh, he was only allowed to talk to his wife occasionally, like he couldn't even communicate with family. And apparently he'd had A, enough and B, enough resources to skullduck his way out. And so this is what he did. And this is why this is this is the story. Wait, wait, wait. Let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. He had a paperclip, some duct tape, and a a rope swing, and then he went off a tele... No, I I can tell I'm not close. No. No, first of all, he had the private surveillance firm that Nissan had hired to watch him threatened with a lawsuit, so they stopped watching him. Then he arranged for a holiday concert at his place of residence, where he was being kept under lock and key. And that wasn't really a musical group. Apparently, it was like a team of mercenaries, and they (laughs) brought in an extra empty case for audio equipment, like the big steamer trunk size ones. They drilled some holes in the bottom. They chucked him in, flew him to Beirut, Lebanon, which does not have an extradition treaty with Japan. And he's now free as a bird. And apparently he got in with a French passport. He has three passports. He had Jap- Japanese, French, and, or no, what's it? Lebanese, French, and a Brazilian, I believe. And somehow he got his hands on a fresh French passport because he'd had to surrender his to the Japanese authorities. And everybody is just like fascinated, but mostly like, what is he going to say about all this? And what effect will it have on these companies and their earnings and therefore their potential going forward operations in motorsport? 
Okay, is anyone expecting that it's going to have any kind of effect on F1 at all? Or is this now just like an F1 curiosity? This is, you know, like, like what, what, what did Bernie do next? Uh, why should we care? I think it's sort of, at the moment, it's still very up in the air in terms of leadership because the Mitsubishi, Nissan, um, Renault alliance was pretty much, I think it was just about the biggest in the motoring industry at the time. Um, and now there's a big leadership vacuum. The whole thing's destabilized, whether that was the goal of whoever made the charges and all that kind of stuff, especially in that particular jurisdiction. It's impossible to say, you can't speculate, but with the leadership change being so big, it's got to have an effect on their motorsport divisions in all three areas. Yeah, correct. Essentially, this only matters if uh, there's legal proceedings between the two companies that affect the bottom line enough that they reevaluate their participation in motorsports. So the chances of it really having an effect, not much. But is it a great story? Yeah, absolutely. How could we not talk about it? And Christopher Fonseca in the chat room says it's still more interesting than the French Grand Prix, which is apparently still on the calendar uh, this year. Is there much more to say on this story, Matt, or shall we shall we move on along? Uh, we're waiting for him to spill the beans, I believe, January night. He's going to have a statement for people. So, yes, we may have more to say, but not today. Let's tune in for that. Chris? Uh, I think we need to give a shout out to the chat room for the brilliant Carlos Ghosn puns that they've been dropping. Let's do it. There. Let's get them out of the way. <laughs> Uh, so there's a great one here from EJ Hammer, Carl Lost gone, uh, Michael Dusseldorf gone with the wind. Uh, uh, there was another one in there. Carlos has gone Misan from Philip Allen. A lot of really great puns to start the, uh, to start the year off. All right. So where should we move on to guys? Uh, ooh, silver or red? Silver or red, Matt? Where should we go? Uh, let's go silver first and then let's talk Ferrari. Uh, Chris, why? Aren't we now talking about 2020 and the competition between Leclerc and Sir Lewis Hamilton? What's going on? Why is he not a knight? So I I know you have uh, a very extensive theory on this, which uh, I will I will let you do in in due course. No, but no, no, <laughs> not really. No, for me, it's a, it's another example of motorsport and uh, Formula One. Uh, not getting global recognition from, from not not only from other sporting industries but just from from the world in general. I mean, who else was who else was knighted uh, this year? Uh, and people were were mentioned on the New Year's honors list. People who were part of the uh, cricket World Cup uh, team win one World Cup, and you get mentioned on that. Right, that's fair enough. I'm not saying that's wrong, but for somebody to win six. Formula One World Championships and not have a mention on it is a prime example for me of how Formula One doesn't get global recognition. Okay, so I'm I'm I am a cricket fan, but I'm not an expert on on the current England cricket setup. So I've not watched sat and watched a te- uh, an Ashes series since the early 2000s. But I was aware that Ben Stokes really you know caught the imagination of a nation by hanging on on, on that one Test match. And no one thought it was possible. And he managed to hang on in there and and save the ashes or temporarily save them. I can't remember how it went. But he caught the imagination of the nation in that one moment. So it, it does kind of feel like he's been knighted for, for two days of sport. Right. I cannot agree with that term, captured the imagination of a nation, because I cannot imagine a sport more boring than cricket. And Ooh. I just cannot... 
accept it as a global recognition but that's my opinion but if you're going to award it for that then if other people say formula one is boring then it doesn't matter you've awarded one you should do the other right so uh, someone in the chat uh, in fact it's hannah says it was impossible but he did it i refer you to phil tufnell about 25 years previous exactly the same thing not even a batsman trumpets a sport more boring than cricket possibly cornhole just going to put that out there so people have to go look it up now is that your whole comment? That is my whole comment. Well, thank you very much, uh, Matt Leth. Uh, I do have an opinion. I do have an opinion on this. There there are other Formula One knights and, and Formula One people who have been honoured more than Lewis Hamilton has. And, it, and it, it's hard to argue, Matt, that Lewis Hamilton is the most successful British export in motorsport ever. Like, no doubt at all. Yeah, no, I wouldn't argue with that. And as an American who knows absolutely nothing about this, I feel perfectly qualified to have right. an opinion, which is they're nuts to have not knighted him already based on all the other sports figures I see getting knighthoods. And there's not really a good explanation anyone's going to give me to change my mind. So there, there you go. Can we bomb something now? Too soon. Okay, sorry. Just to kind of add on to the prior part of that, um, this is a, yeah, a British award. Lewis Hamilton is a British driver. Is one of the most successful British sports people ever. Yeah. And yet he's not getting a British award for it. That's not even when you begin to think about his global status, how people know Lewis Hamilton. People who don't know Formula One know Lewis Hamilton. Okay, inevitably, uh, race is being brought up in the chat room. So what I want to do is I, I want to walk it away from race kind of maybe tiptoe slightly back towards it because there there is definitely black and ethnic minority uh, uh, people british people who have been honored by the honor system so so it's not a question of what well, he didn't get knighted because he's black however i i don't think we can deny that there is a cultural issue with lewis hamilton as far as him getting recognized uh, as a knighthood because he's very much into the American culture. He's very much, uh, his family's from Grenada. So he, he embraces that Canadian, uh, sorry, Canadian, that Caribbean culture as well. And, and that doesn't fit. So Lewis Hamilton's face has never fit as far as being a, a British gent. You only have to look as far as when he got uh, ejected from Wimbledon for not wearing the right thing or he didn't get access to his, the box he was going to. People kind of delighted in that. And I've always felt that it was a class and culture issue rather than a race issue. But I will say, if you are sitting at home as a white Brit, ask your black and ethnic minority friends, have they ever had to prove their Britishness? Have they ever felt like their Britishness is under examination more than their, their white friends and neighbours? Because in Britain, and I'm going to trigger some people here, but this is my opinion, in Britain, as a black or mixed race person, you have to kind of bend the knee. You have to play the game. You have to do the extra to prove that you are what is, in my opinion, an outdated vision of Britishness. And Lewis Hamilton absolutely 100% has not done that. He has embraced his Britishness. He wears the flag with pride, but he also wears big feathers. He's uh, metrosexual. He loves talking about American culture, hanging out with American friends. Uh, and 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 dancing around with Rihanna doing his his carnival thing, and I think I think that is why Lewis Hamilton isn't knighted, and I don't think he's ever going to be knighted. So as much as this issue comes up every year, we kind of need to calm down about it because Lewis Hamilton, Chris, is never getting a knighthood. 
I think um, maybe the, the, there's a, a slight argument that they'll only do it after he's retired or, or, or something. Um, but I can't understand why that would be the case when other people are getting knighted while they're still very much active. Of course, there is the tax argument um, as well, which can I can I just say, if you think no one who's ever been knighted has never dodged some tax and been caught out by it, then I I just I refuse to believe that. Sarah. I wasn't going to address the tax thing. I'm actually, I'm still not going That's to. Right. We but, can roll back uh, to that. Yeah, no, we can. I sort of stepping past that. Um, I don't think. He, is there a possibility that even if he was offered it right now, he wouldn't necessarily accept? You know, this I think in motorsport is maybe it's something you would do and accept at the end of your career rather beginning. Whether or not they award it or offer it to people who are still active is kind of sort of besides the point. Would he want to be on the grid as Sir Lewis Hamilton? Um, I don't think that fits with his current image of himself. Uh, and and then to to step sideways straight back into the tax thing, I, I what I would ask is: Is there anyone legitimately? Because every time this conversation comes up on social media, there's what about his taxes? The taxi tax, 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 tax. All right. Apart from comparing apples with apples and seeing what everyone in the honor system does as regards to their tax, is there anyone out there who really thought? Do you know what? Lewis Hamilton, he's amazing. He should definitely be knighted. Oh, that tax thing. Oh, well, that's the thing that's changed my mind. Let's be entirely honest. The people who use that as an argument already don't like Lewis Hamilton and then use the tax thing to weigh in. I, I just think that that is a poor argument uh, other than anything else. All right. Anyone else? Anyone else on Lewis Hamilton? Good. Should we move on to the red then? Uh, the end of the end, Sarah, of Sebastian Vettel's career. I, I announced and Joe disagreed, but it does look bad for Sebastian Vettel that Leclerc suddenly got a five-year deal. I mean, it's, it's incredible, really. I think it's incredible that someone like Leclerc would actually stick with Ferrari for that long, considering how, they, how they've been doing, personally. Uh, but yes, Vettel, what do we think Vettel wants to achieve now for the rest of his career? Good do you point. think he, he wants to get back to world champion? He's probably not going to where he is but if he wants to help build if he actually wants to help Ferrari build itself back up again with whatever Benotto is doing now maybe there's something fulfilling in it for him there but otherwise I can't sit you know where else is he going to go at this point right so the thing we don't know about his contract is the thing we don't know about his contract is what kind of out both he and Ferrari have. I mean, five years is a long time, but if they fail to meet performance targets and or he fail, fails to meet performance targets, it could be a much shorter contract as Vettel ably demonstrated while he was at Red Bull. And as far as Vettel goes, well, exactly how old is Vettel anyway? I mean, offering a five-year contract to someone Leclerc's age seems to be a pretty good bet. But Vettel's age? I mean, when is he going to lose interest? When is he going to lose speed or, you know, you know, you could already argue that perhaps he has. How old is he? Lost some. Now, he's around Hamilton's age. What, like 34? That's hard. I just, I do remember this is the age we're getting to now, Matt. I still yep. think of, you know, me as the kids on the sofa cheering on my heroes and them as these giants. And But I remember Sebastian Vettel to me is that, that young plucky kid who came in at Toro Rosso, won a race spectacularly out of nowhere, and then had the most unexpected death grip on Formula One for four years. Chris? I think he's just slightly younger than, than Lewis. And the way I've just remembered that is that his first world championship, when he became the youngest Formula One world champion, beating Lewis Hamilton by a few months, um, 
was was 10 years ago when he was 22 which is ridiculous when you think about it at that Taylor Swift age uh, but for for me Seb still has a little bit of unfinished business in formula 1 as much as we've talked about the end being near there's still something he wants that you know world championship with ferrari that dream scenario for the club why would you not take a five year deal oh, yeah. yeah especially yeah. with a lot of uncertainty in the future of, of formula 1 having something nailed down for five years, which is pretty rare in, in contracts these days. So I think it, it makes sense for both parties, really. Uh, now, it's interesting when we talk about uh, five-year contracts and you know what does that really mean? Obviously, there are going to be ways out. It's probably easier for the team uh, to let go of the driver, but then they still have to pay him uh, and they're getting to pay him a relatively low amount uh, for that five years because he's not a world champion yet. Maybe they're thinking if they wait a couple of years and he gets a world title... Then, like Vettel, it's forty million pounds a year. Uh, Matt, yeah. Well, I, I, Brad Newmeyer in the chat room makes the excellent point that Seb's biggest issue is perhaps the Ferrari strategy team, and not his driving, which I think is at least funny, if nothing else. But realistically, if I'm Vettel, I'm looking at this year and the first year of the new regulations in twenty one, assuming Ferrari nail it, as perhaps my best chances. When the experience I have with uh, with Formula One in general might yield me an advantage with the new regulations and if Ferrari can build a competitive car this coming year, because Leclerc is very fast and he learns quickly, but experience-wise, he's still pretty far behind the curve. And uh, so I wouldn't write Vettel off in the next couple of years. But after that, I think it's Leclerc all the way. I think it's a bit more desperate than that for Sebastian Vettel. He doesn't have a contract for 2021. So we're talking about 2021 as if he's definitely there. Ferrari can be pretty ruthless with with drivers. They don't mind their former number one becoming effectively a number two. They've done it before. Uh, Raikkonen, Ferrari world champion, made guided towards being second fiddle with Alonso. Um, Massa was their their champion-elect in 2008, and he suffered the same fate. So I don't think it's beyond Ferrari to actually start favouring Leclerc and just have Vettel sitting there as a number two, that he doesn't know he's a number two. But I, I just don't think Vettel is in... He is a, a league above historically and in the, the pantheon of F1. He's on a slightly higher pedestal, uh, you may disagree or, or, or not, than the drivers I've mentioned before. He, he's he's a little more of a great than Massa, a little more of a great than Raikkonen, and I think it would be a step too far to have Vettel as a long-term number two. I think this, this is, we've seen plucky young Seb grabbing Formula One uh, by the throat for four years. Now we're seeing old veteran, Rocky-style, Rocky Balboa-style uh, Vettel in the fight of his life. Nothing else matters next season, whether Ferrari are title contenders or not. The only thing that matters for Sebastian Vettel is Leclerc. He's got to focus every little bit of energy at beating Leclerc handsomely as well, getting himself a good contract and making sure he's at least an equal driver. I think if he gets beat by Leclerc next year, 2021 at Ferrari isn't even an option for Vettel. I think the key part is going to be, like Matt says, that experience, but using it in certain situations. You will see Leclerc make a mistake where Seb would not. You will see Leclerc you know, go for a move that is not on, for example, 
or he'll he'll risk something a little just a little bit too much there will be some small errors because in terms of the raw speed there's going to be nothing between if anything the Claire will be a little bit ahead you know purely because of his his youth and his just natural god-given talent um which is extraordinary whereas i think seb had to to work at it a, a little bit more so i wouldn't be surprised if in qualifying leclerc had uh, the edge but the ultimate thing is going to be the number of points hey hey you young man you might not have realized this yet but work yeah. ethic is also a talent trumpets so oh okay <laughs> I was just that was that was more of a mic drop, Chris. You'd have to recognise that. Yeah. Well, I I would have come back. I would have picked up that mic and slapped you around the face with it. Trumpets. I'm just picturing that. No, I think if we're lucky, we're looking at perhaps almost a Hamilton Alonso style battle at Ferrari next year. And if that's the case, who even cares who wins the championship at that point? It's just going to be so epic, juicy. Well, I hope so. We're going to have so much to argue about next season. Like normally January feels like, oh, it's miles away to the F1. Actually, it feels tantalizingly close. And um, we've got lots of stuff personally coming up on Missed Apex. I mentioned some of the shows that are going to be coming up. But next weekend on the 11th, we already have a 26 car grid uh, if if Matt races um, for uh, for the iRacing mat, and it's been a while since we've done it, but I'm really excited, and the practice sessions have got me in in the mood. And you and I have already had a controversial uh, clash. Yeah, well, you know, you drive up the inside on me, you get what you get. I was there, man. The lane system, dude. Anyway, I can't wait. 26 cars on the grid. There's still room for a few more. So email me spannersready at gmail dot com, and you can get in on that grid as well. Saturday night, 8 p.m. UK time. Three races in MX fives, and then we're doing oval racing. I did a practice on an oval race with some of the patrons. I didn't hate it. News. That's a revelation. I assumed I would hate it. I didn't hate it. I actually had had quite a lot of fun. Uh, I know this is a bit early, but on April the 25th. We are going karting. The places are going for that fairly quickly. So getting quick, I've, I've opened it up, mistapexpodcast.com forward slash karting. We're going to Buckmore Park again. If you emailed me uh, in in 2019, last decade, if you emailed me, uh, your place will be held at, until like the first week of February. So don't worry about that. Anyone else, email me, spannersready at gmail.com. And if you're umming and ahhing about whether you should should do it, uh, maybe you think, oh, it looks a little bit expensive, maybe go and watch the highlights from the previous uh, event we held during the summer. Just uh, search Miss Apex Karting on YouTube and that will totally sell it for you. Or just turn up, spectate and hang out at the hotel bar with us afterwards. You don't have to race to enjoy the day. I was going to say the most important part is the piss up. Sarah, you're coming uh, in that capacity, in fact. Oh, cool. Well, not just for the piss up, but for the photography as well. Yes. Um, And also for the company, because it's a really good crowd afterwards. And if you're a little bit more nervous about karting as well, it's a great place to pick up some tips because you can get to watch people of all levels on track together and you can see the differences between the more experienced guys and the uh less experienced people like myself (laughs) Uh, although i won't be karting this time but seeing it really makes such a difference for when you go away and do your own uh karting at a local track instead i strongly believe that f1 fans are not as good as fans of other sport in participating like you don't have to drive an f1 car to understand something about racing chris but getting involved for you i know you've given up on turning the wheel but commentating calling the races turning a wheel at any level karting 
indoor outdoor sim racing just helps you understand the competitive element and the wheel-to-wheel action of a race car and i think all f1 fans should do it i I do i do love the sim racing um still i'm not a huge fan of karting personally but sim racing give me any sim i absolutely love it but i think before sim racing became a very mainstream thing that was quite easily accessible even then it's not very easily accessible like it is difficult to try and just do isn't it yeah if you're a football Mm. fan you can just take a football to a park and kick it about with your mates or whatever Mm -hmm. for for a motorsport fan you either have to pay 40 quid for a karting session or for a sim session or buy your own sim that's hundreds of pounds to get a a computer that can do all that plus a rig and a screen and a steering wheel it is quite difficult so fair play to you if you do make that leap Okay, so the thing I always struggled with is you go karting, you don't want to end up with random people. You want to have be racing with some people you have a connection to. And that is what Missed Apex karting is all about. Don't be afraid to turn up on your own. As soon as you get there, everyone will be an F1 fan and a Missed Apex panellist or listener. If, if you're going to do something like that, it's worth doing right. And that's exactly what we do, I think. Yeah, hopefully we do. And I think everyone except the Australians, Steve, Amy, I don't think Felix is coming and Alex Van Jean, it won't be there. But Sarah, Matt Trumpets from America, myself, Chris Stevens will be there commentating. Bradley Philpott, Catman Turner, uh, Kyle Power, all will be there to race on track with you. Amazing as well, because Van Jean is the defending champion as the class A non-Philpot winner. <laughs> as the, so. In the non-Philpot championship, correct. Uh, let's go back to some F1. Well, Matt, from the excitement of karting and driver contracts, we're going to go to finances. Finally, we've got to that into in this show. Uh, we're talking money. Have I misunderstood? Yeah, our friends at Reddit, particularly... Perzaprasm123, which I guess we can post That's later. That's definitely how you pronounce that. I can confirm. I did my research. That is the correct pronunciation. Did up a nifty little chart of uh, dollars per point or euros per point or international currency units per point. And it was a pretty interesting look, uh, particularly because all three of the top teams, despite scoring... Um, Despite spending so much more money, they scored so such a large percentage of the points. They were all under a ratio of one in terms of points per millions of dollars spent. Okay, hang on. Let's just break that down for a second. So you're saying that the top three teams only spent a million for every point or, or just just under? Under. Just under. under. It was up 0.58 for Mercedes, 0.8 for Red Bull, and 0.86 for Ferrari. Who's the uh, fantastic graphics person on Twitter that does all the cars that that go along. So you get a pictorial representation of like how they did in the race. Who Who's that? Which account is F1 that? F1 Visualization. F1 Visualization. Absolutely. But we'll get a link in the description. We'll get a well. link, yeah. Absolutely fantastic account. Uh, and it, it's really useful for the races because you see as people do a pit stop, they drop back. Uh, but he did it for the points, for the team points in 2019. And ooh, I didn't quite realize the gap between the top three. I knew there was a big gap, but wow. I mean, especially Sarah, in the first like third of the season, it really did feel like it was slim pickings for anyone outside the top six. 
It did, but then there was a lot more movement of those outside the top six in the first True, yeah. in the first big, and then after the summer break, it all kind of settled down for a bit. And the last few races suddenly took like Torosa and Racing Point, I think, swapped around, and Torosa came out a lot better. But I also wanted to pick up that the efficiency chart that we've been talking about. Uh, there's a second version of it as well that uh, the Reddit person pres. We'll just call them P. We'll just call them P. Um, did where they awarded a point for every place. So like 20 points if you won down to one point if you came in nice. last or if you finished. And in both of those charts, actually, um, made me feel really bad and really sorry for them because I, I really, really, really uh, enjoy them as part of Drive to Survive. But Haas really looking a lot worse in both points, whereas a team like Toro Rosso kind of Toro Rosso is looking really good in these efficiency charts. And also you see their performance leap up in that uh, F1 visualization chart as well. You're looking at two such different championships compared to the top three teams and Formula B, for example, because the top three teams are all squabbling through for places one through six. It's you know, guaranteed strong points as long as you don't mess up or you're starting last and having to come through the field or you don't get a puncture or something like, like that. There's very little scope to fall back or or to make big improvements like that. Whereas the rest of the teams, everyone else, bar Williams maybe, are all fighting over four remaining points-paying positions that offer much, much less. So when you get these bizarre races like a Germany or a Brazil and you get the big, big points from, from that race, it changes the face of the Formula B championship, if you like. And it can mask uh, quite a poor season, like, as you say, for Haas, because they got a couple of really big scoring races, whereas the general trend was for them to be below 15th. Okay, then. So at Missed Apex, as an organisation, we, we need two things. So I need a volunteer, you know, never volunteer, as I've blogged before, but we need a volunteer. Uh, a, we need to come up with a system. How can we properly reward the non-point scoring positions to keep track of? Because I would love to keep track of of the, this kind of point scoring that we're talking about. So just because Williams got a point, you know, where does where would they have come? Oh, it's a bad example because they came last in every race. But it would be nice to see those battles because they do fight. And with the exception of the odd Alonso 11th place, oh, I seem to have some kind of problem. I'm going to have to park it now. Uh, drivers do f- seem to fight for every single place even for pride when they're down the field. So let's find some way to track that. Find a volunteer who will track that uh, for us. Uh, volunteers to spannersready at gmail.com or if you have a suggestion for a points system that, that we can do. But back to the chart. The, go on, Chris, go on. Well, what um, autosport have tended to do in the past is uh, create a championship that just completely removes Ferrari, Red Bull and Mercedes from the equation. Yeah. And so... So every you get twenty five points for the for the top of every everyone else. Regardless you could do of where that. They actually you could you in. could do that, but then you're taking away the reward for when somebody does pop up and beat one of the the top six drivers as well. Matt, I was going to say Reddit already does that. You can follow them on Twitter, and they update their standings regularly. If you want to do it that way, that's it. I was going to say you you get like uh, the podiums that Toro Rosso got, for example, where they're just they're just Class B wins. They're not, you know overall podiums so so there is a fault with that system but i quite it's one i quite enjoy i think just a system where we can have every every position 
gives points. I mean, you could even do a real simple one and you could just say you get a point for every car that you beat. That's pretty simple. Every car that started that you beat, you get a point. So 19th place gets one point. The winner gets 19 points. That's that's the, probably the purest and simplest way to try and track stuff like that. But we can argue about that forever. I want to go back to this efficiency chart, Matt, and actually look at... I've, I've, I've had a good look at it. Well, Chris has been saying something. Um, and it's really... It's fascinating. So uh, millions spent per point, Mercedes still win that. So despite, obviously, I think they have the biggest budget. Do, do they have the biggest budget in F1? They're still very efficient. They've still managed to get... Uh, spend only 0.58 million per point and and then it's Red Bull second 0.8 Ferrari very close nothing in it really 0.86 uh, McLaren Toro Rosso very close as well and then Racing Point and Renault very close at uh, 2 million per point then it starts to get a little bit more emotional 2.7 for Alfa Romeo 5.35 for Haas and 190 million for Williams that point cost them $190 million. Chris? I think what the uh, what this shows about Mercedes as well is just how far ahead they were in terms of the points. I think that's, that's why their efficiency looks maybe a little bit better because they're on a similar budget to Ferrari. I think Ferrari may even have a little bit more. Um, Red Bull isn't 100% on that. It's, it's similar, but it's not quite as much as Mercedes and Ferrari. And so when you then have such a big winning margin as well. I think that's why we see Mercedes like much, much lower in that in that ranking. Yeah, I mean the chart very clearly points out how many more points Mercedes won than any other team. But with regards to pure efficiency, I do have a question. I mean, are we counting because Ferrari gets a lot of money from Formula One to race with? So did we do that calculation including the money that's technically coming from Formula One? Or are we just talking about <laughs> what they personally chucked in to cover the difference? No, I'd imagine it's, 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 that's got to be based on overall spend. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
uh, while we're talking about money, though, obviously we're looking at how much this is going to be affected by the budget cap that's coming in 2021. Uh, I would ask you, as someone who keeps an eye on these kind of things, to remind me, is there still a budget cap coming? And if so, what is it? The only thing I caught in the news is that McLaren are aiming to run 2020 at the budget cap, which I would imagine means that they are going to spend up to it rather than having to cut down to it. Right. So the budget cap is inherently problematic to talk about. It's I want to say it's around 190, 200 million. However, a large number of things are exempted from that amount of money, uh, including driver salaries, team principal salaries, like your top three salary getters. Uh, I think a lot of the marketing stuff doesn't necessarily fall under there. So in discussions with um, Summers and with other people, generally what we are finding is that it's not going to make a practical difference in terms of what the top teams are spending. Their budgets probably won't change all that much. But going forward, if that number is brought backward, brought lower, it will begin to compact what their overall spend is. And and it will have some effect on the ancillary operations, perhaps. Wasn't that quote from Seidel about the 2021 season, i.e. when the budget cap comes into place in the first place? So if they're planning to run at the budget cap level, then I would think, yeah, why wouldn't you? If you can spend 150 million, then why wouldn't you spend 150 million? Who's looking at the budget cap and thinking, oh, we're not going to try, we're, we're going to try and stay below that? Bit much that. Ooh, ooh, how much? Yeah, a little bit much. <laughs> They're not my wife when I want anything. Uh, yeah, okay, sorry. I think uh, we've exhausted um, my, my, certainly my knowledge or even ability to ask intelligent questions about that, Matt. Uh, so is it time to, is it time to move on or have you said all the things? I said pretty much what I wanted to. I was just checking the chat room to see if anyone had any legitimate follow-up questions. But I, I think basically where we are, it's a good idea. Uh, the teams will have to be a bit clever about it, but it's not really going to affect the differences between the midfield and the top tier at the level where it's set with the exemptions they currently have. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if you mentioned it. I did tune out a little bit. Uh, Matthew Carter also mentioned that you know they're definitely going to be able to find you know, ways to spend money outside of that that budget cap. I don't think anyone is suggesting seriously that the budget cap is going to level the playing field. Like, nobody nobody thinks that. What we're maybe doing is trying to just bring that golf down just a little bit. Chris? I think Formula One comes up with a really great idea in theory, as usual, and then we approach it with a certain amount of scepticism, as is correct, given their um, previous... Uh, with with great ideas uh, like this. And uh, I think the proof is in the pudding, uh, but I don't think anyone's really expecting it to be able to to do what it's intended uh, to do. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually put something out there in terms of what it's intended to do. We've all been focusing on it in terms of leveling the playing field, but I'm just going to say, what if it's more meant for the corporate boards that have to approve these budgets for these teams, we're looking at the next year or two, the projections for car sales are not particularly great at all. And we're looking at increased uh, problems with global warming, 
internal combustion engines in general, there's a lot of headwind this sport is sailing into. And if you can go to your corporate masters and say, ah, yes, but now we have a spending cap in Formula One, then they're going to be less worried, perhaps, about runaway budgets and, and continuing to fund even successful operations. So it may be this is more a thing for the team principals to be able to go to their corporate masters with rather than honestly being thought to make a huge difference in the sport itself. That sounds more like a benefit for the manufacturers, people like Mercedes who want, who are actually asking for less money from Daimler to keep them interested. But it, it, it's come about because the smaller teams, they wanted a budget cap, so they're getting a budget cap. Uh, let's just look at the chat room for a second. A couple of interesting points there. Uh, if you want to join the live chat, by the way, go to YouTube and search for Mist Apex Podcast. You can watch us with our faces at the top and then you can join the live chat room at the bottom and chat along as uh, Antoine, Brad, Othnell, uh, Odevere, Sam and uh, and Mike and LGH are doing uh, here in the chat. Hansink makes a good point. I think I think cheating financially is much easier than technical cheating and points out a little bit later on that the FIA isn't really equipped to do financial scrutineering. Uh, Othnell just jumps in with some information, which I think is quite useful. Uh, just you were talking about overall spends. I think the figures here from Othnell, if we're trusting him, which I do, is that Ferrari spend a total of 435 million, Mercedes 420 million, and Red Bull 330 million. So a little bit closer than I thought. Thank you very much to everybody contributing in the live chat. Uh, Matt. Uh, yeah, well, they're talking about all, all sorts of stuff right now in the in the chat, but I don't think the cost cap is a bad idea. But I think for it to really have be impactful, the number needs to be lower than it is now. And I think the plan is for it to move that way. But what I also wanted to throw in there is that the engine manufacturers themselves are talking about freezing development to reduce the spend on research. And, and this is outside of the budget cap on teams. And people should know that right now, the power unit manufacturers run engines 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They spend a lot of money on it, and they're having informal talks with, amongst themselves and with the FIA about ways to reduce that. And so we should not make a joke out of the fact that this sport will need to learn to run on less money than it does now. What is the, the difference between the engine freeze, for example, like we had in the V8 days, was that they managed to get the potential of that engine so quickly and to the point where they were just they were all on par with each other but even after six years we're still seeing big differences in the engine performance which i in a way i like but we we still have manufacturers lagging behind because mercedes and ferrari just keep raising the bar and you i don't think we're ever going to quite get parity so if we just suddenly freeze the engines now you're going to get locked in with you know some really good engines and some very poor engines for forever you know, I have to admit that the people who build these engines are pretty clever people. And that was part of what they were talking about is a way to keep the engines at parity and to open up development if someone fell behind, et cetera, and so on. But allowing Mercedes and Ferrari to continue pouring this much money into it means that everybody has to pour this much money into it, which means that they will run out of money and stop doing it at a certain point. And, and this is a cycle that they're looking to close. Wouldn't it be terrible to run out of money? 
That definitely feels like a good time to tell you that you can support Missed Apex Podcast at patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex. I, I have been really, really encouraged that people have been signing on even since the, the end of the season to support what we do in our shed here. This little pirate podcast that because of you and because of the support you gave us managed to get a million audio downloads in 2019, over 600,000 YouTube views in 2019, up to 3,000 people watching us live with 700 people at any one time during race reviews in our live chat. We could not have done any of that without the support of our 379 patrons, our 379 members of the Missed Apex board. Uh, With my heartfelt thanks, thank you so much. If you would like to join them, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex. Uh, there is a, a nice little Slack group for uh, for our patrons to hang out in, uh, a private forum where we occasionally talk about F1, among other things. Uh, we do do some extra content. We do a patron-only podcast where we have a bit more of a chat, a relax. Uh, we put the video the video equipment down and we just have a, a chewing of the fats. And if you want to get us to know us a little better, that's a good place to do it. You can also get an ad-free audio feed from being a patron as well. But most of all, it is you supporting uh, podcasts podcasts that get supported survive those that don't fade and if you're if you're happy to put your hand in your pocket to support taylor swift on streaming services then i would ask that even if you don't support us if you're a big podcast listener consider putting aside the same as your 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 streaming account if you listen to a lot of podcasts you're seven dollars a month and split that among your favorite podcasts chris no budget cap on uh, on that either wink wink no no you if you're a fancy billionaire and you a nice call back to the budget cap chat yeah if you're a fancy millionaire and yeah and you think we're worth investing in uh, let me know our ambition is limitless I, I did tease the that we are broadcasting in a shed for now and that shall remain a tease until at least what is it sarah in financial terms uh, until h2 H2. Meaning second yes. half of the year. The I'd second nev- half of the year, yes. Never heard that term before. I'd heard the Qs. I didn't know we could use Hs as well. There we go. Yeah, it's just it's just financial people getting lazy and wanting to compare different periods well, to make themselves look better or make the company look better rather than themselves. Well, I want to be able to do that. So look out for exciting location changes, possibly in H2 or H3, which is in 2021. Uh, right. Uh, who wanted to talk about Alpha? Who who put, Who popped that in the notes? A uh, volunteer, Matt Two Rumpets at MattPT55. Also follow Matt's uh, lovely wife, who is an incredible writer, amongst other things. Uh, she has books that will entertain you and your spouse if you follow her at A Weaver Writes. Matt uh, at MattPT55. Tell us about tell us about this. Tell us about Alpha and their surprise signing. Yeah, well, uh, there was a lot of talk at the end of the season about where everyone, uh, at least everyone who got on the hype train, where Robert Kubica might rock up. And it was looking like Haas was going to be the place. And then suddenly, uh, Racing Point entered the scene. And then, miraculously, he's back to Alpha, which is Sauber BMW, which is sort of like completing the circle for him a little bit. And and they have they have brought him in to be their reserve and test driver. But what was really surprising about this is apparently they've not had a driver in the loop simulator for the last two years. What? Unlike every other team in the sport. And this relates to a certain extent to why they had such difficulties. They started off well, but they didn't develop well. 
And a large part of that is because they've not had the ability to test setup changes what? as the other teams do during the uh, Formula One weekend. Wait a minute. So every other team has a driver in a simulator and Haas doesn't. Can't they, they, can they not use their regular drivers or they don't have a simulator? Alpha doesn't. Did I say Sauber? You said Haas. Oh. Oh, did I say Haas? Okay, sorry. Right, I beg your pardon. Right. Uh, to be fair, I don't think Haas were either. <laughs> okay, yeah. Getting confused completely. Okay, so... That is correct. Let, let's get my head back in the game here. So, Robert Kubica, we thought it was the end of his Formula 1 career, possibly still is. What What exactly is his role at Alpha? He's the development driver, he's their sim driver. Is he also a reserve driver? Uh, I am not entirely sure without checking my sources. I know he's going to do uh, simulator driving for him, and that almost certainly means he will do some practice sessions throughout the year to compare what the car drives like in real life to what he's getting in the simulator so that they can tune it. Um, whether he's a reserve driver, it would be pretty sensible and cheap of them to do that. But they may have some young gun from Formula 2 they're taking a lot of money from to give that role to instead. See, for me, this is not a, a driver announcement. This is a sponsorship announcement. This is all in deciding to take their money to a place where they won't have to consider legal action for pulling their driver's car out of a race. Uh, Michael Dieselhoff in the chat says that he will be a reserve driver as well, which is my memory. But I, well, my memory's pretty shot. So, you know. So this kind of begs the question without upsetting our Polish friends. Is this is this a bit of a waste of an F one development role? Don't don't we want to see like somebody with a, a a more optimistic career ahead of them, or or is this the place that you put an experienced veteran so he can give you setup changes and help? Chris, you seem vocal and upset at the suggestion it might be the waste a waste of a development seat. I don't think it is a waste because you want somebody in there who can deliver a decent lap time. Robert can do that, to be consistent, to be able to provide good feedback on the different things he's testing out and say, no, I think we need to, we should try this a little bit more, or this wasn't quite working out for me. Uh, and, or maybe if we do this and that, you know, it, it's going to be about a conversation between the driver trying to explain what's happening inside the car and the mechanics and the engineers who are trying to improve the car. It, there's no point putting somebody in there who can't be consistent for example and can't give good feedback which is exactly what robert kubica can do just like ken miles in the ford v ferrari movie oh sorry i shouldn't have brought that up oh careful i got somebody got upset with me for doing spoiler i haven't even seen the film and someone got upset with me for doing spoilers i i it's a historical event though right like i definitely had rush spoiled for me because i didn't watch that season and then people were just talking about it because it was a historical event. So they talked about what happened. Actually, spoilers don't ruin films as much as you think, especially over, which is our Sarah. She's the movie buff. Uh, do spoilers ruin movies? Not for me. I'm not the movie buff. I think you might want to argue with Bradley Philpott about that one another time rather <laughs> oh, yeah. than me personally. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with what, knowing what happens because I want to know how it happens, not just where they ended up. Right. Yeah, Brad does have a wrong opinion on this because he had no idea how Le Mans 66 ended in the real world. Yeah. And so so the movie was spoiled for him. I think that's ridiculous. However, all you people who were talking about very detailed things from the new Star Wars movie on Twitter, get out. I haven't seen it yet. It's only been out for two weeks. 
what, 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 what do you want to know? There's going to be a really hammy final fight and exactly what you think will happen will definitely happen because it's the worst storytelling in history apart from maybe Frozen. So there we go. I don't oh, know. Wow, I I've honestly got... don't know what to expect. I don't know what don't, to expect. Don't rag on Frozen, please. No. Love that film. There we go. Frozen is terrible. Uh, Trumpets, uh, you are in charge of uh, uh, this news wagon. So I'm going to ask you in a moment where you would like us to go next. Uh, but firstly, let me introduce you to my fine panel. It's not just me and Matt, you know. A lot of the time I hang out with Chris Stevens here who's a PR guy and a journalist, a very good writer. And if it wasn't for you in the early days, we'd never have been able to get like any summaries out because I used to like just text you in a panic after a show going, I don't know, I don't know what to write. Uh, Matt does all our summaries now, uh, but you still do writing and stuff. And you are at Chris on Racing on Twitter. Yes. Yes, I am. And I'm back at work tomorrow. So my, my two week holiday in quote marks has ended. Frankly, I'm a little bit glad actually, because I've been, bored this week more than anything boring people get bored you could i could have given you mistake pexy things to do chris i could have you could have ordered a green screen but i was blinded by my surgery and i wasn't blinded i was i was pretty much sofa bound because i couldn't really see what i was doing well i'm glad you didn't go completely blind or die from your surgery thank you very much chris stevens uh at decoding dragons on twitter sarah nickel i i always have this moment of dread whether it's nickel or nickels after two years, I've not learned it, but it's Nickel, isn't it? Nickel, yes. At Nickel, Decoding Dragons. Uh, you are not a journalist. You are a I normal am... worky, worky person. Yes, I play with spreadsheets and flowcharts and tell people that they've got their processes wrong. But, you know, that's not the not what people are here to talk about. So I'm looking forward to... So I'm planning out my uh, motorsport year now. So we're going along to the Goodwood Revival this year for oh, the yes. first time. And we've got the W Series, so going to go along to Brands Hatch again for that and looking out for some some events possibly at Thruxton to go to. So that's kind of my focus for my downtime that and doesn't involve spreadsheets. W- w- and we're going to be doing a W Series podcast again. I hope that we will get involved. I know you're going to take that by the throat this year, uh, be a lot more involved in that. Uh, and there's an official W Series podcast, but uh, ours slash yours will be definitely better than that. We, we guarantee yes. it. We we were we were first. Whether we were right or not is another question. Well, maybe they and, saw ours and, and went, wow, if those idiots can do it, we should do one too. Ah, oh, speak for yourself. Can I just say, this is a cycle, right? Because Formula One didn't have Beyond the Grid before we came along. I don't think Formula E had Formula E radio before, <laughs> before we came along. This is, we're the pioneers of motorsport. I don't think we can take credit for Beyond the Grids, a podcast I very much enjoy. Uh, I was thinking of, of doing Beyond the Shed, where we interview F1 interviewers and ask them questions like Beyond the Grid. Like, do you get scared when you interview people? Are you ever scared that you're going to die? What's it like? Ooh, you're so brave. I love you. Um, but I love it. No, I'm only joking. It's a good, it's a great, uh, one-to-one interview and I, I don't miss a single second of beyond the grid uh so we we are not pioneers of f of motorsport podcasting however we do try our best matt has that waffle given you enough time to dictate to us the final news story of the episode Ooh, yeah i think we should talk about a combination of Renault and uh the new personnel changes that have happened that may improve their outlook okay yes like i'm complete there was like a flurry of personnel changes that kind of went under the radar towards the end of last year. Uh, fill us in. 
All right. So I think the biggest and most important thing is that Pat Fry, who stepped into McLaren to run things while uh, Seidel uh, was waiting on his gardening leave to expire, is now off to Renault. And if you look at how McLaren did this year, and you think about the fact that he was there and is now going to be at Renault, you're thinking, hmm, this could be a bit spicy. And joining him uh, will be uh, also uh, Dirk De Beer doing the arrow uh, as well. And that means that we have um, being promoted, in addition to Zeidel taking the team principal spot, uh, we have being promoted was Andrea Stella, who was formerly, uh, formerly, formularly, if I want to make a punishment. Oh, I thought you were going to say it. make a complete hash of it. Sorry, can you go back one? Because I got, I yeah, got yeah, lost yeah, yeah. there. So, so who became the team principal? Uh, Andreas Zeidel, who ran Porsche in WEC. Okay, so he's now the team principal of of McLaren. Of McLaren. So, oh, right. right. So I thought Stella w- was the w- was in charge. So, what's the difference between the principal and race director, Chris? All right, the race director. Think about, about what Eric Boulier used to do at that team. Um, I'm not going to make an Eric Boulier joke. <laughs> Um, here because it's that'd be really mean and, and quite unfair, really, because he's doing all right with the Paul Ricard uh, organization and, and, and management. But um, it's basically it, it's it's very similar to a team principal role, but it focuses more on the uh, the on site um, roles. You know, so on the race weekend, he's pretty much the man you answer to. Okay, Matt. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, he's like the chief operating officer and the team principal's like the CEO, if I want to put it in more in corporate speak. His direct responsibility is everything during the race weekend, logistics, uh, trackside engineering, everything like that. Team principal is in charge of the overall picture and deals with the other team principals and interfaces with uh, FOM. Okay, and as far as other personnel go, what else do we have to look out for? Because you, you titled this the the personnel waltz, and it certainly does seem that way. And I'm going to be honest, that's a lot of names thrown at me. Who do you think is going to benefit most team wise? Who's made who's made the best out of these shuffles? I'm going to go with Renault. I think Pat Fry has to be given a lot of credit for the way McLaren turned out this year. Because we know that that a lot of the development happened under him. He brings a lot of McLaren knowledge with him to Renault, which will benefit them tremendously in terms of being more of a rival to McLaren. And they have the additional advantage of their updated wind tunnel that will not be shut down halfway through the season in order to be refurbished. So I think I think Renault might be a bit of a dark horse next season and could give McLaren a bit of a run for their money. I think on the flip side, however, there's the circumstances under which these changes are coming about. So the changes at Renault in terms of the people who are leaving, that's in response to what has not been going so well. So it's a situation where uh, the team principal um, has acknowledged that his own, he's had to do some growing. It's something he's actually said in that press and he's talked about the impact of Danny Rick coming in. Um, So it's a slightly more negative change i'd say almost whereas the one over on the mclaren side is in response to uh Seidel sort of building his new team in preparation for 2021 so it's two slightly different circumstances and whilst i think 
Matt's absolutely right about all those technical advantages in terms of what they're building up to. There is maybe a psychological difference in in terms of how they're setting up these new this new structure. And I will point out in the chat room, there's a lot of people being very, very critical of Paul Ricard, the French Grand Prix and Renault. And I feel absolutely duty bound to tell you guys that those comments did indeed happen. Uh, Yeah. And that's it. Along with that, we have, uh, first of all, iHammer, thank you for the donation. Oh, wow. Super chat. Yeah. In the chat, you can drop us a tip or you can go to mistakepexpodcast.com and there is a tip jar there for people who don't like the Patreon model. Thank you very much. Although it's in Danish Krona, so we will have to do a conversion there. I think I think that that may be a factor of 10, but still very much appreciated. Um, correct. But Cyril Abitable has said that no team has spent more resources on 2021 than they have. And so I have often put forward the theory the theory that in terms of how they were dealing with their corporate masters, they were really looking at the regulation change as a big chance for them to make a step forward. And I'm delighted to see that I was not entirely incorrect about this. That said, he is absolutely saying it's still no excuse if they get it all wrong in 2020. Isn't he, though? It does sound like a little bit of an excuse. He has given himself an out. He's going, oh, yeah, no, we're definitely going to try in 2020. And he made some vague comment about, oh, well, we're aiming for top three and best of the rest isn't good enough. But if you say we are setting our sights on 2021, maybe you're talking to the shareholders more than anything, Chris. You know, maybe you're talking to them more than the likes of us. So when they do finish fourth or, or goodness forbid, um, in fifth again next season, which... I will say, as my first 2020 prediction, I think is far more likely. I don't rate Renault's chances of being top four in 2020. Uh, they can then turn around and say, ah, it, it's bought them another year. Ah, but 2021, so keep pumping the money in. They're like those perpetual motion machines, aren't they? That go, we have the perpetual motion. We just need two more years and $100 million and we'll definitely give you infinite energy. Just keep on, keep on pumping that shareholder cash in, Chris. It's a wonderful marketing opportunity, the 2021 it is. regulations, yeah. because you can, it's, it's a hard goal line that you can very much say, you know, to, to the shareholders, to the investors and say, this is the time we're going to start coming in. Without it, they'll have just, oh, they're just being vague and it would, they'll just keep adding another year on and on. And like, oh, wait, no, this is, this is the actual opportunity. Oh, this actually sounds quite, quite good. Um, what was the specific quote from Cyril, though? Was, I believe, no one is as focused on 2021 as we are. And of course, there's all, all, we've been talking a lot about, you know, how are Renault going to stick around in, in Formula One? I think it'd just be hilarious if it was no one's as, as focused on it because we're focusing on our withdrawal for, for, for 2021. And that, I think, brings to an end a reasonable start to our 2020 podcasting campaign. Nothing went too bad. I only have to edit out three or four heavily litigious uh, (laughs) comments, particularly from our American brothers causing trouble over there on the other side of the water. Uh, But thank you very much to Matt Trumpets for putting together our show notes at MattPT55. Chris Stevens for always having his finger on the pulse and Sarah Nichols at Decoding Dragons for always steering us back when we fall away from the wayside, me in particular. If you have an opinion 
on any of these topics. I do love, I do love it. Do weigh in on the YouTube comments. Do email me spannersready at gmail.com. Just remember, there's a human being at the other end of the keyboard when you write those comments. And I'm more than happy to have a long back and forth with you, have a nice civil discussion. And I do want to hear from you. You can follow me, by the way, if you want to, at spannersready on Twitter. You can also follow the show at MissedApexF1. We have a Facebook page. You can come chat to us there or you can chat to us in our Slack group if you want to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash MissedApex. Remember, if you want to get involved, you can hang out with us online when we do the iRacing thing, the iRacing thingamajig. We have a Discord chat open so we can sit and chat. Uh, That's the 11th of January. That's this Saturday at 8 p.m. UK time. You're more than welcome to to join us there. And uh, you will have three races in an MX-5 and then a race on on oval on ovals as well. It'll be a lot of fun. You can join us in real life down at Buttonmore Park on April the 25th. Get it in the calendar. Email me if you want to get on the grid as well. Uh, But you will have to get in there quickly. I have a feeling that this karting event is going to sell out much quicker than previous karting events. So do let me know. Uh, Until we see you next time, which I think will be Sunday the 12th of January, be brave, because wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. This was Missed Apex. We're back. Let the fireworks begin. Sarah, where are the fireworks? I thought I understood there'd be fireworks. Yeah, pyrotechnics. Comets of the week. Maybe Steve will put them in afterwards. Maybe with the magic of video edit, they'll be here now. You never know. (laughs) That's not bad. Could have gone worse, Matt. I know we didn't cover a lot of the topics that that you had in there, but uh, we can save some up for next week. It's uh, a medium-long winter, but it it really is like nowhere near as long as as the amount of time it takes me to realise that I've forgotten an award. Thank you very much, Charum. I was determined. I was determined to start 2020 off by not ever forgetting comment of the week. However, I have done. So why don't we, why don't we get there by pressing the bumper that I definitely know where it is. There it is. Comment of the week. Comment of the week. The bumper sang and pianoed uh, by the lovely Mrs. Spanners. Matt, do we have any contenders? It's been, it's been such a busy chat room. For January the 5th, what a dedicated bunch of F1 fans you are. Yeah, it was absolutely delightful. And as ever, if I missed you, I do apologize. Hang on, I got to copy that real quick. And No, you should have been funnier. It's your, if it's your fault if you got missed. That is, <laughs> now, that's quite antagonistic and aggressive, isn't it? Unlucky. <laughs> Unlucky, guys. It's the taking part that counts. It's all about having fun, but it's more fun if you win. Matt, who are our contenders? Well, I think we have to put Sam H in there because he said, wow, Matt looks incredible. But he also <laughs> no. said, wow, Spanners looks incredible. What a wise comment. Yeah, I mean, like, how could we not mention that? That's very clever. Always uh, uh, Anton Beal is in with that's not a green screen background regarding Chris's background. Imagine that is what we were going to do, actually, because our, our fantastic and fastidious video editor, Steve Amy, constantly berates Little Chris, poor little Chris, from across the world, he's constantly berating your your room and your background and not having a pro background. When you get a green screen, the first green screen image you have to do is is an image of that bedroom with the bed as messy as possible. I am currently moving office, so nice. I, just, I need the stuff and I can set it up and it will look 
uber cool. <laughs> I'll, I'll miss it. I'll miss the bedroom when it's gone. I, by the way, I've got that IKEA cabinet as well. Uh, but mine's got mine's clear on the top, you know. But anyway, uh, who else? Who else, Matt? I think uh, Brad Newmeyer has to be in for. I think Seb's biggest issue is the Ferrari strategy team, which hurts, but is true. Um, Lydia Cruz. Elaine System is my new karting team name. Oh, nice. Elaine System. Uh, I like it. And by the way, uh, Anton Patton says, uh, did I get a haircut? No, I, this is just the very first time I've bothered combing it and putting stuff in it for a live stream. <laughs> but I did it. And then I stood in front of the video camera bit setting up and went, oh, yeah, I should comb my hair. <laughs> yeah. Only, only taken me six years to do it. Who's like the winner or whatever? Oh, right. Um, so, uh, Christopher Fonseca, the story is way more interesting than the French GP just because it makes me look good. We've got 9 million Carlos Gone puns. No, none of them win. No puns because Nick's not here. Um, and then we have Mark Greenhow with laser eyes and Stuart Neal with does spanners keep Joe behind that curtain? But I think we're going to have to go with. Lydia Cruz for Elaine System is my new karting team name. I, b- I believe a maiden victory for Lydia there. Comment of the week. You know when you come back from New Year and just somehow all your stuff changed. Like I kept the settings the same. You 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 leave your office in one thing. You come back and like a scruffy bear has shed its hair all over it. Changed all your settings updated all your software and just like deleted all the drivers and everything so like you fire your system up and suddenly like nothing works absolutely nothing works i had that for about a day today i I certainly didn't spend an hour thinking i bought a monitor didn't that didn't work until i found on google that i just had to move the joystick one left click to make it actually show me a picture you no, got fancy. not at all <laughs> you got fancy you wanted to, happen. And, and we didn't spend 15 minutes with you only coming out of the left side and all of us <laughs> no. going why why is that what what could possibly be causing that even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.